Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, Acts chapter 19. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts, verse by verse. And so let's pick it up in verse 9, although our text is going to be 11 and 12. We're going to cover two whole verses this morning, and you'll see why. So Acts 19, 9. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, and the way there is of the Christian church, so this could apply to you, so I encourage you to get the CD from last week. Before, uh, speak, spoke evil of the way before the multitude, Paul departed from them and withdrew the, and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Notice reasoning daily. That's very important. Christians are accused oftentimes of, hey, you guys go to church and you just check your brain at the door. Um, no, we do not. And I encourage you never to do that. As I teach the word, I encourage you to take notes and then look through the word yourself. And if I am incorrect or I'm off a little bit, Come to me privately, let me know, let's look over the scriptures, and I'll be more than happy to admit that publicly and clarify any issue that I may be taught wrong on the following Sunday. I do not want to teach anything wrong, so I'm accountable to all of you. That's a big responsibility. Verse 10, and this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So where did they hear it from? They heard it from an ambassador for Christ, which you are an ambassador for Christ. So oftentimes we elevate the saints of old or we elevate the pastor. That's the pastor's job. That's the deacon's job. That's not my job. No, no, no. We're all ambassadors for Christ. And notice that Paul taught the word and those who had heard about Jesus being the Christ accepted him and this spread throughout the whole area, which we covered last week. Now our verse for this week. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Now, I got to go fast because I'm a little behind in time. So, you know, get your running shoes on, engage your brain, and please turn off your cell phone. Um, Even though we have a slide, it seems like every week cell phones are going off. So, double check your cell phone right now. Turn it to vibrate. Do something with it. Turn Siri off. Here we go. Some food for thought. The four major branches of science are mathematics and logic, biological, physical, and social science. Now, just hang in there. This will all tie into the study. Those are the four major branches. Now, let's remember there are many sub-branches of these sciences, but these are considered the major branches. According to Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, The definition of science is knowledge attained through study or practice or knowledge covering general truths of the operation of general laws, especially as obtained and tested. Notice this. This is the current college definition of science through scientific method and concern with the physical world. Very, do you see that definition? Very, very important for you and I to, know, to see that definition. For me, I just wrote this down. So science is not about feelings, which our culture is now driven by feelings. 
So science is not about feelings, but about evidence, testing, arriving at facts, repeats. Can facts change in science? First, the body of scientific knowledge is continually evolving. Science, scientists don't simply add more facts to our scientific repository. They question new evidence as it comes in. And they, re, they repeatedly re-examine prior conclusions. That means that the body of scientific knowledge isn't just growing, it's also changing. But those changes are based on evidence, testing, arriving at facts, and then repeating to verify those facts. I'm making it very obvious to you. This is very, very important in the days we're living in. Very important. Let's use the example of gravity. Gravity is an invisible force that pulls objects towards each other. Earth's gravity is what keeps things on the ground and what makes things fall. Gravity also gets weaker with distance. So the closer objects are together to each other, the stronger their gravitational pull. Earth's gravity comes from its mass. Now let's use the example of an airplane and gravity. A few hundred years ago, no one would ever fly. For us today, we look at that as like, are you kidding me? Gravity and drag, air resistance, which is friction caused by air rubbing against the plane. That's what drag is. Gravity and drag try to pull the plane down and slow its speed. A plane must be built so that lift and thrust are stronger than the pull of gravity and drag by just the right amount. Lift from the wings is used to overcome the force of gravity. So if, if uh, we have a friend that was actually, is, is still actually an airplane mechanic, and he said to us many years ago, how many bolts hold on an engine? And so I'm like, oh, God, there's got to be hundreds of bolts. He said, no, three bolts. Three bolts. Three bolts? Just three bolts. Just three little half-inch bolts hold on an engine. That's it. That's it. Now, if you don't feel like putting one bolt in there, something's going to go wrong. Science, science, they, they figured it out. They've, they've been able to design it very specifically for a very specific reason. So more and more we are expected to accept certain things about the science, specifically the human race. John, you want to throw that one up there? Based upon what? Feelings? emotions, opinions, or someone else's expectation. Think about that. Let us sink in for a second. You see, if we as Bible-believing Christians do not accept certain things, even though those things are unscientific, we are called a variety of names to embarrass, humiliate, coerce, or intimidate us into a belief That is not based on science. God created science and it has been vital for our existence for thousands of years, but now science is no longer needed, supposedly. We have human ideas as well as emotions that are now vying to control our realities. Just like a plane will fail without proper facts built into its design, We as humans, 
will fail without proper facts built into our designs. And that's what we are seeing in our world today. It's called implosion. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, saw the explosion that took place in Beirut this past week. Implosion means inward, not outward, inward. And our society is doing exactly that. We are not exploding, we are imploding because now we are basing so many decisions on feelings instead of facts. Let's look at Psalm 33. Psalm 33, let's get to the word. And again, this will all come together, so just hang in there. I didn't come to biology class. I came for a Bible study. I get it. Hang in there. You see, the Word of God gives us those proper facts, and we are continuing to see our national leaders moving away from those facts. Republican, Democrats, Socialists, Libertarians, whatever name they want to stick on themselves, we are imploding. Psalm 33 says this, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. The word fear there is reverence. Reverence. Have reverence for God. Are we one nation under God? Not at all. Not at all. Abortion, homosexuality, transgender. We welcome everybody to the hospital. The church is a hospital. But don't expect to stay there. You don't want me to stay in my sin. We've got to call sin, sin, and not stay in it, but forsake it and move on mature in Christ. The earth is, so let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Unfortunately, there's a very popular word being used, and we use it all the time. I use it, and you all use it. But this week, I would encourage you to, when you use it, go, oh, okay, there's another time, there's another time, there's another time. Man, that burrito enchilada style was awesome. So many things are awesome. And what have we done with God as a culture? We brought God down. Jesus is not God. He's Michael the archangel, reincarnated. He's the spirit brother of Lucifer. He was a great prophet. He was a reincarnated spiritual being. We brought Jesus down. He's not God. God, get out of here. He's not God. No, Jesus, it tells us in the New Testament, spoke the worlds into being. Now that's awesome. The burrito, that was really good. Speaking something into being out of nothing, that's awesome. So just keep that in your mind this week as you go through that. But he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Where is Babylon, by the way? Where's Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom? Where's Rome? Where are the Caesars? Nothing. But they thought they had it all together. Nazi Germany. Where's Nazi Germany? Hitler. He had it together, right? He was going to create the superior race. I hope he accepted Jesus. Doesn't look like it. Don't mess with God. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. Masks are good. Masks are not good. I think a very popular doctor said at the very beginning, you don't need no mask. If we just lock the country down for two weeks, everything will be fine. So let's lock it down for four months. And are we better? But now the same doctor is saying, everybody should wear a mask. Everybody should wear a mask. I saw an article. I didn't read it because I'm just like, this is totally goofy. Somebody suggesting locking the whole economy down for two months. Locking the whole American economy down for two months so that we can become socialists. 
That's, that's the bottom line. They want to destroy America, guys. Wake up. That's the reality. There's no reason why we should be locked down. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. And that's for you and me today. What generation are we in? Jesus said, I'll be back. Not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jesus said it first. <laughs> this is 2020, guys. He is coming back. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Notice that, because you've heard that. I think that used to be a sign-off back in the 50s and 60s on TVs before they went at midnight. That used to be on TV in America. Let's look at Mark chapter 7 very quickly. Mark chapter 7, and Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, but he's teaching his disciples privately. You see, in that day and age, the Pharisees washed their hands. Washing of hands is not new, guys. We need to wash our hands. That, that's very practical. That's important to do. But what they did is they took it to the next extreme, and they had a ceremony for washing their hands. And if you didn't do the ceremony before you ate, then you were not religious enough. It's kind of like not being black enough. You were not religious enough. No. There's one race. Remember, guys? The Crayola colors are all colors, including white. There's one race. It's called the human race, no matter what man may say. One race. So as we read our Bibles, we want to be careful. And Jesus says, he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of man, this is Jesus speaking. And he's speaking to you and me this morning. Proceed evil thoughts. Don't raise your hand, but do you have an evil thought every now and then? As a Christian, I do. I don't want to. I have flesh just like you. Adulteries, not affairs. There's no such thing as an affair. It's adultery, black and white. Fornications, that's sex outside of marriage. Murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride. And I highlighted this word, foolishness. How many genders are there? 72? I think science has taught us male and female. It's not about your emotions. It's not about your feelings. It's about facts. Male and female. All these evil things come from within and defile a man or woman. So as we look back in Acts, a theme for the study today could be know your Bible because people will take it out of context. Know your Bible because people will take it out of context. So again, verses 11 and 12. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases that left them and the diseases that left them and evil spirits went out of them. You know, this is one of those verses that can be taken out of context and mixed use, misused. To me, the situation appears that it was a point of contact for those who had faith in Jesus and were seeking after a healing from some sort of ailment. And it is a situation that I do not fully understand, but one that is not taught by Jesus. So here's a principle. Might want to take a copy of this or write this down. One that is not taught by Jesus, because now the rest of the study is going to be about doctrine. 
Our biblical truths have to be based on doctrine, not feelings or emotions, just like those physical things I talked to you about before are based on facts. One that is not taught by Jesus, practiced by the apostles, or expounded upon in the scriptures. You want to look for those three things when you look for a certain doctrine. You see, this is how we should establish biblical doctrine or practices. And yes, biblical doctrine and practices are extremely important to know and adhere to. Now, uh, we're going to throw up a slide with a lot of uh, scriptures on it. We don't have time to go over all of them. So you could take a picture. Uh, but we're going to throw this up. I think there's, yep, there's a bunch of them. Okay, this focuses on doctrine, on doctrine. So know your Bible because people will take it out of context, doctrine. And so as we leave that up there, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to cover the last two. 2 Timothy chapter 4. So Timothy, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, all those books are together in your New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the chairs in front of you. Grab a Bible. If you need to steal it, take it. You're not stealing it. Just don't sell it because then you'd be stealing it. Take it. Read it. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Is that a fact or a feeling? It's a fact. Be ready in season and out of season. Now, Paul is writing to a pastor, so you're just going, amen, pastor, that's you. Be ready. And I say, amen, you sheep, you better be ready in the days we're living because they're coming for you, whether you like it or not. This is not theory. This is reality. They are coming for you Christians. Whoever wins this upcoming election, you are going to be the ones who cause the problem. So you better be ready. Convince, rebuke, Exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. So with all long-suffering, as we go into this, we have to guard our hearts that we don't get hard and calloused and mean and angry and vengeful, but that we bring it down because they don't know the truth. So why should we look at them and talk to them like they do and they're disobeying it? They don't even know it. They don't know they're disobeying it because they don't know it, Right? How does a little child know that they're being disobedient unless we first teach them? No, you don't do that. Then they go, oh, okay. But before then, they're just going crazy. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who are the they here? I personally believe they're Christians or people who think they're Christians. Because again, sound biblical doctrine does not belong to the world. It belongs to Christians. The world could care less about our doctrine. Part of our doctrine is coming together and loving on each other and praying for one another and using each other's gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why church is essential. The body of Christ needs to be encouraged and strengthened and build up. That's why we need to meet. Just one aspect of why we need to meet. So the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Several times in my years, 25 years of full-time ministry, um, 30 plus years of ministry, 
I've had people come into the office and they'll start talking to me, asking me for counsel and what would you do with this situation? And I talk about the scriptures and I watch facial expressions, I watch body movement, I listen to tone and I'm picking up on something and I'll eventually say, how many pastors have you asked this same question to? Because you don't want an honest answer. I can tell you're fishing for an answer. You want me to say something to you that complements what you think is right so that you can leave here and say, oh, well, that pastor said my sin is right. So I'm okay. It makes them very uncomfortable at that point because they can't get away with it. And they look at me, they go, three or four? I go, really? Am, Am I different than the previous three or four? No. Then you're not even honest with your question. It's a loaded question. This is a person that's falling into this. They're looking to get their ears itched. I want to hear what I want to hear. Living together outside of marriage is okay. Having sex outside of marriage is okay. We're married in God's eyes. Don't you agree with that, pastor? No, I don't. Not at all. Not at all. It's sin. You need to repent. It's fornication. They heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth. Guys, do a study on nuns, not Catholic nuns. Nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Those are people, those are people in their 20s and 30s that are leaving the church because the church doesn't condone with their sin and they don't want to hear that they're in sin. They're all filled with hypocrites. I'm not going to church because they're all hypocrites. Really, and you're one of the big ones, so please come and join the rest of the hypocrites. That's reality. No, I'm going to turn my, I'm going to turn my ears away from the truth, and I'm going to turn aside to fables. Let's look at Titus chapter 2. Just flip to your right, maybe a page or two, and I really encourage you to have paper Bibles. Really encourage you. Because if we go cashless, and you decide that you're not going to obey the authorities, they will flip off your Wi-Fi, and your Bible just might be gone. So you better get used to a paper Bible. Titus 2, 1 through 8. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older men, so now what Paul is going to share with Titus, a pastor, is practical application for you and me this morning. Here is sound doctrine. What's sound doctrine? That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, which is self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and patience. So for you older guys, who might this be? I would say, you know, 40 plus. Average lifespan in this day and age was 35 years old. So if you think you're 40 and you're not old, get over it, you're old. (laughs) Older men, you're to be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. And you should be coming to retreats. You should be coming to Tuesday night men's Bible study because you have faith that's been developed for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and you should be willing to instill that, to put that onto the table of somebody who's a year old or five years old or 10 years old who hasn't been there and done that and you can come alongside and say, you know, let me, can I talk to you privately? You know, you shouldn't do what you're thinking about doing. I heard you make a comment, please don't do that. Why? Because I did that 30 years ago and I almost destroyed my family. 
and I read the Bible and I got back into the Bible and I saved my family, but I want to spare you from that. Guys, this is what should take place in the days we're living in. Here's for the women, the older women. Yes, some of you women are old. Get over it. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. Some of you may have to get off social media with this right here. Not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Sound doctrine? That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. You older ladies, you need to be coming out to the ladies' Bible study and to other activities where you as older women in the Lord can help these younger women who are ready to jump off the cliff. Do you hear my wife laugh? I would get phone calls when I was at work and I'd have to talk her off the ledge. Honey, it's only temporary. They'll grow up one day. Just take a break. Send them outside to play. Do it. Sometimes I had to go home. One time I had to go home. This just popped into my mind. She was gone. She called me. She says, I'm out of here. They're yours. I'm done. Because she would homeschool through, she homeschooled through eighth grade. So at one point she had a first grader, a four-year-old, praise God, that was very cooperative, a two-year-old in diaper, and she was nursing. So if you think you got it tough, grow up. So anyways, our kids at this time were probably, I don't know, four, six, eight, and 11. She literally took off. And I had to, I, I rode my bike to work. And so I had to ride my bike home. And when I came through the back door, like I always did, that's how I came in, put the bike in the backyard so it didn't get stolen. I came in, they were all in order on the sofa, sitting straight and tall, just sitting up like, we didn't do anything, dad. And I would tell him, you know what? You didn't mess with your mother. You mess with my wife. Don't ever mess with my wife. And they learned real quick, don't mess with dad's wife. Older ladies, you need to come alongside these younger women. It's tough. It's tough. We, we, we heard about a gal who's got to work full-time and homeschool. Why? Why? The percentages are not there. It's sad. You're going to die. If a child or a teacher, you're going to die. Get over it. Don't be foolish. But at the same time, we're being foolish, shutting down our whole economy. Out of fear. Out of fear. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. Oh, that's nasty. That makes me sound like a slave. You are. If you're a Christian, you're a slave. If I'm a Christian, I'm a slave. I'm a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we work together. And if you read your Bible, the husband is the head of the house. Wife is not subservient. My wife allows me to be the head. Do you hear that? She allows me to be the head because Christ is my head and Christ is her head just as God is the head of Christ. Yes, that's in the scriptures. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. There was a gal that came into our office and with her husband and he was under the impression that she was committing adultery. Yes, ladies, it's not always the husband. And unfortunately, we have seen in the last 10 to 15 years more women leaving their husbands and children than men leaving their women and their children. 
And Claudia will often say, I can see why she left her husband, but left the kids? Why would you leave the kids? What is wrong with people? Guys, this is the culture we're in right now. And I was sharing and I I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't believe it. And we were discussing things and and then all of a sudden, she, had, she finally admitted it, that she was committing adultery. She said in the fair, I said, no, you're not. You're committing adultery. And I opened up the scriptures to, to, this, to these verse right here. And I was reading through it, and she was just arms folded and hard-headed and hard-hearted. And, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what you say. But you know what? I knew she loved God. I knew she loved Jesus. And I knew she loved the word. But she got captivated by the enemy. She was taken bondage by the enemy. And she was doing something she didn't want to really do. But because of pride, she couldn't confess her sin until I got to this verse. I'm going to read it to you again. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. And this is what broke her. That the word of God may not be be blasphemed. And I looked at her in the face and I said, you are blaspheming the word of God. And the Holy Spirit came on her and she relinquished and she broke down in tears and she repented right then and there. I want my husband. I want my children. I'm going to repent. I don't want anybody to go to hell because of my testimony. I do not want to blaspheme the word of God. And I know she didn't. So that's why we use the word of God in counseling. So that the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, can cut right to the heart. This is the problem. This is the problem. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. So as Christians, we're standing up the government, but we're not burning down buildings or causing riots. We're peacefully saying, no, we're not going to submit to that. We need to join together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to speak of you. So biblical doctrine and practices are key to our maturing in the faith as Bible-believing Christians. Just like science, John, you want to throw that up? Just like science is so crucial for you and I, why am I hammering this point? Because biblical doctrine and practices are key to our maturing in the faith as Bible-believing Christians. We first look at the teachings and life practices of Jesus in the Gospels. Then we should look for examples found in leadership in the book of Acts. And finally, see the continued doctrinal emphasis or teaching of the Scriptures. We should not take the unusual and make it the norm, but rather look at the norm found in the Scriptures and allow God to do the unusual if He so chooses. Another way of saying it would be, We have the rule. Allow God to make exceptions to the rule. What is the rule? The rule is Jesus gave his disciples oil. He said, go out and anoint the sick with oil. We're taught in the scriptures, specifically in James. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church, elders, plural, to anoint you with oil. So the rule is anointing with oil for the healing. If God heals, God heals. I don't have the gift of healing. If you're sick and God heals you, you receive the gift of healing. I don't have the gift to dispense at my will like some Christian fiction on TV has taught. It's a gift that is given to the person who needs it. Does that make sense? So that's the rule. 
Why this exception took place, I don't know. But God is God, and I'm fine to let him be God. You see, we have the rule, allow God to make exceptions to the rule, but never take the exception and make it the rule. Does that make sense? We have the rule, allow God to make exceptions to the rule, but never take the exception and make it the rule. Do we have a particular, uh, a particular example of taking something out of context and having it an unbiblical practice? How about, ba- how about baptizing for the dead? Have every, any of you heard of being baptized for the dead? It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I forgot to have the guys make up a slide. But this is what it says. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection of the dead, by the way resurrection of Christians. Otherwise, that they will, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead are, do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? Now again, we, if you're new or visiting here, we don't bash other religions. We teach the truth in love. We have to go back to the Bible. Mormons teach that you can be baptized for the dead. Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 8. Who are the dead spoken of here in 1 Corinthians 15, 29? Again, we have a general rule. Paul talks about something that almost makes it sound like an exception. And I was born and raised in a church where we prayed for the dead at every single mass. Just the way it was. God let them into heaven. They're burning in purgatory. Get them out of purgatory. Even the Pope doesn't know how long it takes to get a person out of purgatory. That's not a joke. That's reality. Not bashing. Teaching you the truth. Roman Catholicism teaches purgatory. Everybody goes to purgatory, but no one knows how long it takes to get out of purgatory because there is no such thing as purgatory. Ephesians 2, 8, 1 says, And you, he, made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Who would that be? You and I before we knew Jesus. You were a son of disobedience. You were a daughter of disobedience. Too bad. That's who you were. If you don't have Jesus as your savior now, you are still a son or a daughter of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Notice this. So who are the dead? The dead are those people who come around at my water baptism. They're dead maybe in the spiritual world. Very, very important for us to realize. And that's why we do public baptisms and invite people to come see them. Again, we don't, you got to go back to the original church. You see, Jews were not baptized, water baptized. You didn't get water baptized as a Jew. That's why they came to John and said, what are you doing? And Jesus said, repent and be baptized. Only people that came into Judaism, a Gentile would get baptized into Judaism, not Jews. So it was about the heart that John was addressing, not the flesh, but the heart. So notice, uh, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come, in 2020, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace 
Look to somebody to your right. Feel free. Let's see. My right's over here. Just look to somebody to your right. Okay, look to somebody to your left. Believe it or not, they're going to heaven. Yeah, let that sink in. Oh, no, they're not. Yeah, they are. And so are you. That's called riches of grace. Do you deserve it? Please, nobody raise your hand. Because we will stone you. And not with medicinal marijuana. None of us deserved heaven. None of us. You see, as the scriptures clearly teach us, water baptism is a public proclamation of a commitment to Jesus becoming the savior of the sinner. You see, we're all born once physically. And it is certain that we will all die physically once. But in the spiritual world, we need to be born again and we will die a spiritual death after our physical, or we will die a spiritual death after our physical death. You see, the spiritual death is eternal separation from God for all of eternity. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, God is not sending you to hell. You're listening to me. I'm telling you God loves you. He died for you. He sent Jesus for you. You can go to heaven. It's free by grace through faith. If you stiff arm it, you're saying, I'll take my chances. I'll go to hell instead. Don't blame God. You just got the gospel. Do not blame God. Basically, it comes down to this. Born once, die twice. You're going to die physically, and you're going to die spiritually. You'll stand before the judgment seat, the white, great white throne judgment seat of God, and he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But nobody ever told me. How about on August 9th of 2020, that knucklehead in Queen Creek? Oh, that's right. He did say that. Yeah. And how about this time and this time and this time and this time and this time? God is constantly wooing people to the cross. So if you're here this morning and hard-hearted, you better get over it because you might die today and you will not have another chance once you take your last breath. The party is over. Or if you're born twice, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You're only going to die once and that is a physical death. Marriage is another great example of the true biblical doctrine. In Genesis, God created the human race as one male and one female, not 72 genders. And he then performed the first wedding with Adam and Eve. Jesus made reference to this wedding in his ministry. The writing of the scriptures give us ample evidence that makes it perfectly clear that marriage is between one male and one female. You see, this is just one example of biblical doctrine that we as believers cannot deviate from, no matter what our feelings or emotions might try to persuade us of. As the music team comes up, well, how is this practical in our lives? We have to take a stand for the Bible, no matter what our kids say or do. And sometimes that means disassociating ourselves from our children. (gasps) Yeah, Jesus comes first, not my kids. My wife comes second, not my kids. That would never happen. Well, if you don't want it to happen, it won't. But we had to do that. And it took 20 years of heartache before our son finally repented and came into right standing with the Lord and with us. 20 years of prayer and heartache and tears and a lot of emotions. But I was not going to give in because the Bible is more important to me than anything else. And just recently, there's a Christian author, a woman who came out, a Christian author writing Christian books who recently came out 
to congratulate her daughter on being a lesbian. And she said in her article, we, meaning the family, should have supported her years ago. Really? You love her so much you want to love her to hell. You're not a good mom. And you're a terrible author. I don't need to read your books. I'll read the book. And guys, if you're not in the book, you can read other books. And it will take you down a road you don't want to go down. Being a Christian is not for wimps. My mother-in-law used to say, growing old is not for wimps. Being a Christian is not for wimps, guys. It's going to cost you. Apostasy is Christianity... In Christianity is the rejection of Christianity by someone who formerly was a Christian. The term apostasy comes from the Greek word apostasia. I probably butchered that because I'm not a Greek scholar. Meaning defection, departure, revolt, or rebellion. Notice what it goes back to. My heart. I'm going to do what I want to do because it's my way. Don't try to bring me the facts. Don't try to confuse me with the facts. It has been described as a willful falling away from or rebellion against Christianity. Is this taking place in the church today? Yes. Popular Christian artist recently who's been singing Christian songs for about 30 years has recently come out and said, no, everybody goes to heaven. Christianity, I'm not a Christian anymore. Really? You're throwing it all away for feelings and emotions. If he was truly saved, he's going to heaven. I believe once you're saved, you're always saved. But it's not going to go well for him for whatever time he has left on this earth if he keeps doing that. God might just take him home. Because that's what we just read this morning about communion, right? An unworthy lifestyle. Don't ever take anybody away from the word of God. Push them to the word of God. Even when they hate you as your own children. Even when they call you and say, I hate you. Great, I still love you. Grow up. Grow up. Does that make sense, guys? Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Father, we thank you for the morning. And biblical doctrine these, these days is not a comfortable topic. It's so sad that so many Christians, supposedly mature Christians in the faith, are loving their children or their grandchildren more than they love the word of God. It's apostasy. As we see in the scriptures, in the last days, there is going to be a falling away from biblical truth. We're there along with everything else. Your son is coming back. Father, help us to look up to heaven as we have to deal with this life and things in this life. Father, as the authorities come against us, help us to not come against them, but to love them and to speak the truth in love, being long-suffering because they're blinded. They're blinded by the God of this world. That as Paul was chained to guards, and some of those guards came to know Christ, even all the way up to Caesar's household. He didn't whine and complain about being in prison. He shared the gospel. He had a captive audience. So, Father, for us, we may have a captive audience very soon. We may have a captive audience in our neighbor or in our family member or at work before or after or or on lunch break. Lord, help us to be available for a world that is dying and going to hell. 
that you might be glorified. And Lord, we pray again for our Christian brothers and sisters here, right, in our next state, in Oregon and Washington and New York. So many states are attacking Christianity. Just outright discrimination and persecution. Give them strength, Lord. And help us to email them or text them a word of encouragement this week to say, we're standing alongside you. We're there for you. We're praying for you. If we can do anything physical, help us, to let us know. Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand? And I did that uh, last night, guys. I sent a message to that pastor and said that very thing, that if there's anything that we can do as a flock besides prayer, and prayer is the most important, um, to let us know. So I will let you know if he comes back and says what we can do physically. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come forward. Today's the day of salvation. If you need prayer for anything, come forward. We'd love to pray for you. The elders will be up here with oil. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.